I just heard a moment ago. Do you have any reactions? I, I didn't watch the trial, so I, you know. Do you stand by your past comment equating him to white supremacy? Well, look, I stand by what the jury has concluded. The jury system works, and we have to abide by it. that emerges is of a working-class kid who sincerely believes in America. His community falls apart, and he tries his best to do the right thing. At a time when almost nobody else in the community is trying to do the right thing, but he does. I was an innocent 17-year-old who was violently attacked and defended myself because he wanted to clean graffiti and protect a car lot. Defended myself. And apparently, um, a lot of people on the left, it's criminal to want to protect your community. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. And this is Abby Martin. And Mike Preisner's here too. We got we got a trio today. And <laughs> welcome back, you guys. For Abby specifically, it's been a long time. It seems like a long time since you've been on the podcast. So I'm thrilled that you're back. And we have a lot to talk about from your overseas trip. But we're going to save that for a future episode because the Rittenhouse storm has hit. We're in the <laughs> middle of the Kyle Rittenhouse media storm. We all felt like we needed to get things off our chest and we were just shocked and baffled by a lot of people's reactions, especially people who are supposed left allies. Uh, and yeah, um, I think to start this conversation with you guys, I, I was thinking we could start it with the deluge of spin let's specifically start with the right-wing media that came right at like the tail end of this trial. It was almost like regardless of the outcome of the trial, this right-wing media spin machine went into overdrive to just like basically frame everything and, and create all this narrative about it. But they did it in the, in this uh, sort of posturing of the liberal media lied to you. Here's the truth. And that was the sort of the general frame of their of of their spin, and I would argue that that is in some ways more effective than what you know right wing has done in the past. I mean, this is not something new that they've done, but by framing it as MSNBC and CNN lied to you, and here's the real story, is sort of the way this was all set up. And the fact that they did it before the verdict was even read was to me fascinating because guarantee you some of those right-wing spin groups had alternate narratives ready to be deployed depending on what the verdict was. And even when the jury was deliberating for more than a day, which the right-wing media was like, this is a slam dunk. The prosecution did fucking horrible. They railroaded this kid with the, you know, the deep states trying to take down the right. The, the narrative that they were putting out 
was getting all their followers to expect that the jury was just going to be like, boom, done, innocent. This kids was railroaded. Instead, as soon as the jury started actually deliberating for more the day, it was like the new narrative spin came in, like another thing that they had ready to go, which was the jurors are being threatened. Antifa, Abby and Mike, are threatening the jurors. We can't say which juror, we can't say which Antifa because it's just all fake. But we're going to put this into the atmosphere because we fucked up and actually made people believe that he was going to be immediately exonerated with like less than an hour of deliberating. So I don't know. You guys give me your opinion on what <laughs> what you think and what your reaction to all this was, because that was to me like the biggest noticeable thing at first, even before the verdict you know, came out. Well, Robbie, I could tell you didn't watch the trial. Did you watch the trial? <laughs> you know what? I only watched the clips of the trial that Don Lemon told me to watch. And fuck if I don't feel like the biggest fool on the planet, Abby, because I thought those victims were all black. That's what CNN told me. And it wasn't until I watched the trial that I knew that they were. I'm sorry. I, I just. Anyways, go off. Yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, the the weirdest part of it all is that um, as someone who hasn't watched one ounce of media coverage of this case or like really any analysis whatsoever, we've been totally unplugged from cable news. We haven't really been analyzing any aspect of the trial, really. We've been gone traveling to film for the documentary. I remember watching the events real time unfolding before my eyes. And I know what happened based on the live stream that I watched. And so it was kind of shocking to see these mental gymnastics and moving the goalposts so much where it was like, you've been lied to. If you're surprised at the outcome, that's because you're a dupe. <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't know anyone. Now that I am kind of catching up on the coverage and the analysis, I don't know anyone who was actually saying that he would be found guilty. We all know how the criminal justice system works. We all knew that he would get off. If you're looking at it in a vacuum with the freeze frames that the defense was portraying, you're like, yeah, obviously this kid was going to get fucking off. Um, but what was weird about it is, yeah, the deluge of that narrative slammed down our throats, which is your fucking dupe. You're a hack for watching the MSM. And and you are uh, you've been duped by propaganda. And it's like, wait, but what about the right wing propaganda machine? Because to me, corporate media is not a monolithic entity that parrots liberal talking points. Arguably, the right wing media ecosphere is much more influential and much larger. And it was lockstep in the hive mind mentality that Rittenhouse was a Boy Scout. He was a hero and he was acting in self-defense. So it's a weird thing to tread and it is very um, disturbing, actually, to see these dueling realities play out. And, you know, it really just reminds me of the dress, the the blue and black or white and gold. And that's what I feel like every time this kind of culture war manifests into another incident, you know, especially when it comes to Black Lives Matter, we know that that's severely broken people's brains in the wake of the Trump administration. I just come back to that dress because it feels like the fissuring is happening more and more at such a rapid pace of how reality is just broken upon itself. Very well put. I just wanted to comment really quickly. It'd be like if that dress was unmistakable. I don't even remember that story, but it'd be <laughs> like if that dress was unmistakably 100% of the of the public, if polled, would say it's a specific color. Um, and then the right-wing media came out and said, no, 
the liberal media is <laughs> gaslighting you into thinking it's that color. It's actually this color. When in reality, what the right-wing media would be doing is gaslighting you in the other direction. It's like they're using the concept of gaslighting to gaslight people, which is fascinating. But sorry, Mike, I know you probably have some comments to say yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, Abby, you're exactly right to say that. You're just shown these freeze frames and fragments, and that's really the 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 core of the the right wing defense of Rittenhouse uh, and his actual defense attorneys is they want to say, look, this guy had a gun and was pursuing him. So he shot him in self-defense. Look, this guy was kicking him uh, and so was shot in self-defense. Or look, this person uh, threw a bag at him and was chasing him. And so they, they only want you to see these freeze frame snapshots and not the entire picture, because when you see the entire picture, the entire context, uh, you see the reality of what happened is that Rittenhouse murdered these people and was not acting in self-defense. And so we're going to, uh, I know, get into actual specifics of that play-by-play -play that really kind of undeniably makes that case. Um, but it is, you know, one of the things that that jarred me about the whole thing is that those that are going to give the self-defense argument, both in the corporate right-wing media sphere and in the independent, you know, riding the razor's edge of progressive be posing as a progressive and also catering to a right-wing audience like um you know omitting key facts and only and only emphasizing these little snapshots like the defense uh team did to make the case for self-defense without showing the bigger picture but the thing that like really has annoyed me the most about the entire thing is the the creation of Rittenhouse's character as this this sweet boy, this well-meaning, cared about his community, was just trying to do good, kind of like a, you know, like a, a Boy Scout, an Eagle Scout, even, even better. Um, you know, he's not a racist. He's not a bad person. The liberal media made him out to be this horrible right winger. Um, this kid was a right winger. Uh, this is you know, whatever you think about the verdict, whether or not you think it was self-defense. Let's not pretend that this kid is not who he is. We know we've been lived through the Trump era. Do not gaslight us on this. We know what kind of person when Black Lives Matter popped off post Blue Lives Matter stuff all over their social media. That was kind of Kyle Rittenhouse. We know what kind of person hangs out with Proud Boys. We know who the Proud Boys are. The Proud Boys, their one thing is beating up commies, beating up left wing people, um, being anti trans like that. That's like their whole thing is violence against their political opponents. The left black Throwing people matter. off helicopters. They remarked T-shirts yes. of people being thrown out. Exactly. Helicopters. Rittenhouse partied with Proud Boys as soon as he got released from jail as as this hero or whatever. We know that Rittenhouse was a Trump guy, a MAGA guy, front row seats at uh, Trump rallies. We know what kind of person was a Trump fanatic uh, in this era. Uh, and we know what kind of person fantasizes about killing people in the Black Lives Matter uprising, which Kyle Rittenhouse did. Of course, one of those things, which we'll get to, was omitted from the trial by the judge that was obviously on Rittenhouse's side, where Rittenhouse is looking at uh, black people in the BLM uprising and saying, I wish I had my fucking AR so I'd be, I could be shooting rounds at them. That's, uh, that's homicidal ideation. When you fantasize about killing people who are posing no threat to you, posing no threat to human life, uh, that is some homicidal ideation. You are wanting to kill people because you disagree with them politically and their political cause and, and what they are angry about. Um, and so this kind of this this effort to wash all that stuff away. And, and Rittenhouse was just he saw violence on TV and he wanted to protect this car dealership that he had no uh, connection to at all. It's like, don't don't pretend that he's not uh, what he is. And and. To show that that's, I mean, they know, and that's why there's this new media blitz now that he's doing, 
with the help of Tucker Carlson and and of course a, a very expensive multi-million dollar like PR team and counseling uh, where he's going out now and saying actually I support BLM. I'm not a racist and I support the right to peaceful protest. This is this interview uh, that he just did. And it's like, he's saying that for a reason. Um, You know that this guy doesn't support BLM. Nobody who supported the BLM movement was posting Blue Lives Matter all over their stuff. Blue Lives Matter is the anti-Black Lives Matter slogan. Everyone knows that. Um, How do we know he's not a boogaloo boy that's that's (laughs) pro-BLM and and he's one of us? I thought that 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 we should accept that just because someone says they're (laughs) pro-BLM. You haven't watched the trial, Mike. Okay. I mean, well, I o- was, honestly, you guys, let, let's be honest. Here. Well, you it is funny that so. now that he's saying I, I support BLM and now it's all the like ring we're saying, see, he s- says he supports BLM. I mean, it's obviously for like Tucker Carlson's documentary, so which he's making, which the judge allowed him private space to do at the trial where he's like, the media said he was anti BLM. And look, here's him saying he supports BLM. Um, but the, the funny thing about this statement about him saying, like, I support the right to peaceful protest Um it's funny because it's like funny him saying that because he's like, I support your right to peacefully protest. But if you don't peacefully protest, I might come and kill you. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating how much that this has mind fucked people to the point where there was an Andrew Cuomo or not. What's his name? Chris Cuomo, the brother of the, the New York City mayor <laughs> or not mayor, but uh, the fucking Cuomo guy on CNN actually had Rittenhouse's defense attorney on. And he seems like he caught him in a lie and the Rittenhouse attorney like basically admitted on camera that he was really against this Tucker Carlson access to Carl Rittenhouse. And he even said he even used the word evil to describe it. And it was so bizarre. Chris Cuomo like was he probably didn't ask him the right questions. But then the guy said, you know, uh, this was and, and Chris or Cuomo asked him, who's funding this? Who was funding this? And he's like, well, some of the same people like funding the defense. Uh, funded this uh, documentary and he's like well who funded the defense and he's like oh that was crowdfunded it was almost like the guy the defense attorney almost said too much and it seemed like he was conflicted on how much he probably saw because I don't know what this defense if this defense attorney is legit or how legit he is but maybe on some level he actually saw how much this was being used as a political weapon like apart from just the trial itself and maybe had a moment of clarity like this was this was too much I don't know what that interchange is about, but even myself, I was like, I, I don't know if I could share this CNN clip because it's fucking Cuomo, even though like the the revelation in it is seems like pretty important. But it, that's how much this has even gotten into my head. So and I think this plays a part in all of this. But back to what you said, Mike, about him saying that he was BLM. I mean, it's it's funny that he would say that because it's such a cynical ploy for him to say that. And. What's also interesting is like none of the actual right wingers who are anti BLM are like, oh, fuck Kyle Rittenhouse. He's pro BLM. They're like, he's pro BLM. And so am I. And I support the right to peacefully. It's like, dude, you guys can't. Well, he's such a pawn now. I mean, he's being used as such a pawn. Nothing is genuine. It's all being fed to him now by these power brokers and like right wing billionaires who also funded the defense, you know. He's going to come out and say that he's anti-war soon. And he's uh, <laughs> he's going to be at the, the RNC, just like we complex. jokingly said in the last podcast. We said that he was going to speak at the RNC. He absolutely is going to like be working for oh. Matt Gates and be uh, highlighted as like a prominent like Republican figure soon. You know, I, I just want to say also like, yeah, I mean, that 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 is a big aspect that it, we shouldn't people, whatever they think about the verdict or meaning if they think that he is innocent, you know, don't lie and gaslight about 
who he really is as like a right wing person. You know, we know who hangs out with Proud Boys. We know who says, I want to shoot people in the Black Lives Matter uprising. That's pretty clear who you are as an individual and your character. Also, there's that video of him like punching a woman in the back of the head. I don't know if that's confirmed that that's him, but I've watched it a bunch of times and it like definitely that's a weird looks video, like it's yeah. him. And it's the people who filmed it are in Kenosha and it's like, right place right time and looks exactly like the dude but you know so there's obviously a propensity for violence there but that's a, another thing than his like who he is as a political person and his political agenda that he had going there and that he is a, you know like the, yeah cnn called him a neo-nazi probably not completely accurate but he definitely pals around with neo-nazis that's that's who the proud boys are but the other thing i want to say is that the reason that this is such rabia you started this talking about this we're being inundated with the media blitz around this the reason that there's such a media uh, celebration really by the right wing media about this is because this verdict is just a massive victory for the far right, for the fascist movement, for the right wing movement. It's it's huge for them. It's a big propaganda victory. It's a big media victory. It's a big legal victory. And so anyone who's like, oh, well, yeah, it's about civil liberties or fair trial, whatever. It's like celebrating this is celebrating a massive victory for the right wing and for the fascist movement in the U.S., which is a very real and dangerous thing. And uh, people should be very worried about the the repercussions of that. Let's go through a little bit of this. Let's parse through a little bit of what Mike just said, because there was a lot there. And I want to go back to the media before we actually break down more about who Rittenhouse is and what exactly happened that night. And one thing that I think has disturbed me the most is this kind of pseudo left analysis that has provided cover for this right-wing narrative. You know, the right-wing media machine is already extremely prominent, and it has gaslit us to think that it is not. Fox News is the most watched cable news network. Tucker Carlson's show is the most watched show on TV. Uh, Sinclair Broadcasting owns almost all of local media. It's a Trump-adjacent network funded by right-wing billionaires. You have then the outlets Breitbart, Daily Caller. I mean, all of these spawn out from right-wing media talking points that repeat. And it's, it is a completely alternate reality, and it is extremely dominant to the point where I would argue that it's actually scary to counter that narrative sometimes, especially in cases like this, because of how rabid and uh, aggressive some of these Rittenhouse simps are or Proud Boy type people because of their ideation of homicidal intent, like we're saying. I mean, they literally print T-shirts saying they want to kill communists and they they fantasize openly about killing people like us. And that is a really scary thing because we don't do that. <laughs> so it is fucking scary, right? Yeah. I just want to go back and comment on what the thing you said about the how big this is and how much it portrays itself as the underdog. Like, so, for example, Ben Shapiro, you know, who act like he's up against and his colleagues are up against this liberal monolith that's just crushing everybody on the right. But when you look at the actual analytics, his show is like the most popular show. Like I'm on, on Facebook. It's like by far dominates like all the social media. Tucker Carlson show is the number one cable show, not just like cable sh news show, wow. as far as I understand. He's got like one of the most popular shows on television itself. It's fascinating how that's the frame and they continue to use that. Right. And then you have people like Glenn Greenwald. He used to be my journalistic hero and he is he disgusts me now because he's kind of the top of this pyramid that feeds all of these other like 
post left, like people who literally say that they've they used to be leftists or that they are leftists, but all they do is feed directly into a right wing audience and provide cover for people who are right wing to say, look, even this progressive agrees with me. Glenn Greenwald is not a progressive. I don't know why people keep uh, calling him that label and it is insulting to actual progressives or leftists because he has been jumping in joy at the Rittenhouse verdict. He has been one of the most prominent voices talking about how he is completely innocent. It's a civil liberties victory. I don't understand All how you can argue that. All of a sudden the criminal that. justice system is legitimate and fair and just. Yeah, and it's like, I don't understand how you can make that argument unless you're literally saying that the stand your ground laws that are already horrific and rooted in like white supremacist, like vigilantism should apply anywhere at any time based on anything. You literally can just pop up anywhere in the country oh, and just 100%. say, I feel threatened and and I can go to a fucking car dealership 30 miles away and and just pull an AK out on someone. And if they charge me then I can fucking kill people. Like, that is not a civil liberties victory. And so the Glenn Greenwalds of the world are doing a grave disservice, and it is disgusting because people just latch onto these talking points and repeat them ad nauseum and just say over and over again, it's extremely influential and very effective. And he, as well as many other people, continue to pretend like the corporate media is a liberal monolith and that it only entails MSNBC and CNN, although they are... Even they are basically like not watched nearly as much as Fox, like you just said. And then the Ben Shapiro's of the world, not to mention the Tim Pools, right? These people who are like, I'm a classical liberal, the Dave Rubens, the Tim Pools, the fucking Steven Crowders. Who has those numbers that is in the left wing space? Nobody. Those people are dominating every fucking airwave and every space. Actual left wing. So this fucking narrative is bullshit. And we are being gaslit every single step of the way. And this is just another perfect example of it. It makes fucking Nick Sandman look like a saint. This kid is a hero now for murdering people. It's gross. Dude, it's so funny because they're basically trying to do the same thing that they did with the reverse spin on Nick Sandman with Rittenhouse. But they, like, waited a really long time to do it. Like, if you notice, they weren't, like, heroic about Rittenhouse in mass like this for a while like while this was like a coordinated like here's the talking point thing that happened at like towards the end of his trial they really had this ready to go and i think with the covington kid thing it's almost like they learned from that template right. how to do it with rittenhouse but with the rittenhouse it was almost like more strategically planned out and then they like it like dropped this bomb this like gaslight bomb like the liberal media lied to you here's what the truth is and What's so fascinating, because with the Covington kid, yeah, I could actually see on some technical level how he was able to win those lawsuits against CNN, because it is weird how much they obsessed over that, that, you know, that clip of him with the Indian guy banging the drum. I could see how the right was able to get like that power coup with that one. All they have to lean on this time with CNN and MSNBC is that Joy Ann Reed and some of these neoliberal pundits like Cuomo and these other people called Rittenhouse, a neo-Nazi white supremacist. And because of that alone, they're able to like spin this entire narrative off of it saying like, they lied to you. They made you think he was a domestic terrorist. And yeah, some of the people on, you know, MSNBC or whatever, like use that phrase, but it's like, that's all they have to spin this entire narrative about how the entire story as you've known it before was a lie. And here's the real story. 
we're going to tell you the real truth. And that's what, what's so fascinating to me about that is they don't even have anything really that strong this time. So they actually have resorted to what appears to be sock puppet fake Twitter accounts. So for example, one just while we're still on this topic of the media, one very interesting media gaslight talking point I kept seeing that Greenwald even repeated was that the liberal media convinced everybody, lied to everybody into thinking that the victims were black. And that we kept hearing that. Because you can't be you can't be racist if you are half Latino. And you yeah. can't be racist if you kill white people, Robbie. Don't you understand the way it works? We are taking things literally at face value in the most superficial fucking way possible. But what's so fascinating about that is it's not even true. There isn't a clip of Joy Ann Reed or any of these other people on these networks saying that the victims were black. Because that would have been like kind of an irresponsible thing to come out and say on, on CNN. I don't think that anybody no, but, said that. Because right, everyone knew who the victims were like immediately. Yeah. So the <laughs> fact that they're literally resorting to, and when I say they, I mean these disingenuous analysts who know, frankly, that they're lying. They have to. Showing a tweet from a random Twitter account saying, oh my God, this whole time I thought that the victims were black. The liberal media lied to me. Like, I can't believe I was lied to the whole time. Like, acting like they're a lefty and that they're mad that the liberal media convinced the victims were black. But then the real story they've learned from the right media is that their victims weren't black. It's like, dude, this is fake. Like, this is like a completely manufactured narrative. And this is when it, to me, gets really, really weird in a he weird headspace when they're actually, like, lean on t fake Twitter accounts. Yeah, and it's like straw man after straw man, like, oh, crossing state lines, crossing state lines, crossing state lines. It's like, dude, it doesn't matter if he crossed state lines or dr it's like it wasn't yeah. his fucking house, dude. Like that means nothing. That, so if the, the media lied to you about him crossing state lines, <laughs> since when can't we cross state lines? You drive 20 minutes down the street and you cross state lines. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is a totally fake thing. Yeah, nobody cares about that point. <laughs> They want you to think that his grandparents like live inside that car dealership. Like that's kind of like, it's like they're basically throwing out this thing. Well, his grandparents lived in that town. That's why he drove 30. That's why his mom drove him 30 miles to be dropped off there. But it's like, okay, now t equate for me how guarding a car dealership is going to protect his grandparents if that was even remotely in his head. Now, what's also interesting about that is the New York Times and some other outlets showed other militia members who were there on his side protecting property, whatever, you know, in quotes they claim. And even those people were calling Kyle Rittenhouse irresponsible and crazy acting. And what's interesting is the difference between what they did and he did is he acted like he's a medic, right? So he's running around with the with a fucking AR-15 acting like he's the protesters' chill buds while these other guys are like with the understanding that they're there on this car dealership, say what you want about them, but they're tactically smart enough to know that you, you got to act as behave a certain way. There is a fine line between shit really going off and shit not. So what Mike mentioned earlier about, I think it was one of the other guys pointed his barrel at somebody or somebody did. There's a video tape of some of the other militia guys being like, Hey dude, dude, don't do that. Like there's some of them are savvy enough to understand the heated and intense climate they're in and how quickly things could spark right. up. And people, let's just say this, even if you're a crazy right-winger Trump supporter, a lot of those people are still responsible gun owners in the sense that they understand just like basic gun safety and gun etiquette. You don't point your gun at somebody if you're not planning to kill them, like things like that. 
you know, yeah, and, and what Rittenhouse point, did. Pointing your rifle at someone means that you know that that person thinks they're about to get shot. Exactly. And if you point your rifle at someone in a crowd of people, some of whom who are all also armed, um, yes. that you're going to create a really dangerous, bad situation. And so Kyle Rittenhouse did, as you mentioned, not not only did he point his rifle at people, which set off the whole chain of events, which we'll get to in a minute, but that even people in the militia were like, dude, that's extremely dangerous. Do not do that. Yeah. And one of the militia guys actually says on camera later when he was interviewed, who was there with Rittenhouse, saying that he he thinks that the guy with the skateboard was a hero and he understands exactly why he, this guy with the skateboard thought he was acting in self-defense. And I, I know I'm just we're not going to talk about it quite yet, but <laughs> the fact that he would say that I think right. is really interesting that the right is ignoring that completely because the color of the whole event changes so suddenly when you don't know, is this guy a hair trigger militia guy protecting property or is he now an active shooter who is a danger to this entire crowd of people and that color can change very quickly and that's clearly what happened like you can see it if you watch all the videos so anyways you guys yeah, have a lot no, more I mean, to say about the no you're totally unfolded. right and i mean i'll just say one more thing about abby's and, and your points on the the glenn greenwald essentially the orgasm over the acquittal um <laughs> And that's, I think, the best way to describe it. Um, and then, of course, everyone else in, you know, in that whole pyramid of channel substacks and YouTubes and whatever, everyone in the, the Glenn Greenwald industrial complex who, you know, takes his talking points and then makes their own videos about them or whatever and gets their ad revenue or, and and clicks and all that stuff. The thing that uh, the thing that, you know, disgusted me the most about that is that this is what's been going on since Trump came in, downplaying the threat of violence and the very real danger posed by an American fascist movement, which is a very real thing um, and is a real threat. As soon as Trump was elected, those on the left said this is going to embolden the far right. Uh, They're going to act with more violence. Um, The people will get killed. Um, And this is something that we should be concerned about. And then these types, the the Glenn Greenwald types, um, were saying this is just overblown. There's no threat. Like, what are you talking about? But for those of us who are actually on the left and who participate in mass movements and struggles in the streets and things like that, it became very apparent right away. Um, of course, Heather Heyer was killed very, you know, soon after the election of Trump by uh, far right Trump supporters. Um, and still things were downplayed after that. I mean, and and to just see things shift so quickly, like for me, like I've been going to demonstrations against the far right for for a long time against uh, the Minutemen, anti-immigrant militia people, the National Socialist Movement, like Nazis out here in Southern California. I was never worried about getting killed or stabbed or severely beaten up going to any of these counter demonstrations against right wingers. As soon as Trump came in, that all changed very quickly. Um, people that are friends of mine, like you know, like Abby and I had a friend in New York who was hospitalized because Proud Boys jumped him after he came out of some left wing meeting and like broke his knee and he was on crutches for like a, a year or something like that. Uh, my brother, John, was at a, a demonstration and was chased by a bunch of right wingers, uh, him and my other friends, and just so narrowly escaped being lynched that actually the back window of the car got smashed out by these right-wingers with weapons as they were chasing them. And they just narrowly escaped with their, like, probably with their lives and getting out of here. Um, You know, there's all these other violent attacks, shootings, uh, serious violence from the the far right uh, in this this kind of broad MAGA movement. And the entire, every step of the way, there's this section of, you know, 
people saying that, that this is just don't overblow. There's no real threat from these people or whatever. And so Rittenhouse was an important thing for that because Rittenhouse was exactly what those of us have been saying was a danger. Right-wing vigilantes who feel emboldened, more able to go out and kill and shoot people, menace people with weapons, commit acts of violence is, is a thing that, and, and that leftists are actually faced with this real danger. So the people that are celebrating the verdict, who want to claim that they're with the progressives or with the left in some way, or are the true leftists or whatever, um, those aren't people that have to deal with this reality, a, a very real reality of being faced with violence being beaten and possibly being killed just for going out and and demonstrating like Kyle Rittenhouse's yeah. victims. And I think that part of what you're saying, Mike, has to do with the fact that a lot of those people are in this weird reactionary bubble where all they do is react against CNN and MSNBC. So as soon as some of the generic neoliberals on those on those networks started talking about the subjects that you're talking about that are very real and they started like hyping them up from their end, it it was like almost just created this opening where people like Glenn Greenwald could be like the liberal media is hyping up this concept of like far right violence. When in reality, it's like that side of the media, like like MSNBC and stuff, it was like all of a sudden they started talking about those things. Whereas before they were really weirdly lukewarm on the whole thing. You can't even go back to Ferguson and watch the way they covered that. You know, Don Lemon is on the ground getting yelled at at points for being an Uncle Tom by people in Ferguson. There's a, there was a whole different vibe of the way that those networks talked about things. And it's simply because they leaned into the fear about the Trump era that it's like the, all those people can just write it all off. It doesn't it almost like they right. negate everything you're saying, Mike, and erase people like you and people who ha who knew that this was a palpable thing. Like as soon as Trump got elected, that everybody would be empowered to feel this way. They ha they basically have had to erase that, the reality of that, to prop up just this only reactionary uh, point of view, which is just so strange. But that's really what I think they've done. Besides a handful of examples, like there was that example of the high schooler in Israel calling the fake bomb threats, like in the United States, you know, but then years later, we have like a real mass shooting in a synagogue for the people who are like, oh, all that's fake and all that's fake. It's like, well, then that happens. And so you, you kind of have to take a step back and be like, well, why don't we actually just fucking not just be purely reactionary and and like stop being in that frame? But that's I think that's all really what this mostly is. I hate all corporate media and I can actually dissect all corporate media across the spectrum. I don't have like a, a political bias or leaning towards certain types of corporate media. I can see it as it is and understand that there's a lot of nuances there and a lot of ideologies and a lot of different interests pushing different narratives. And that's exactly what we see here when you see kind of this tokenism and woke uh, wokeness that CNN takes up the mantle of, you know, liberal media specifically takes the mantle of. And I think it has a lot to do with what you're saying, Robbie, where in the Trump era, they knew that it was um, easy to capitalize on the fear. And so whatever yes. that fear manifested in, that was another thing that CNN wanted to host. We saw it at COP26, which we could talk about in, in a later episode. A lot of this tokenism, a lot of pushing, quote unquote, centering black, brown and indigenous voices. And so I think that instead of the notion that, oh, the corporate media is trying to divide us, divide and conquer, it's more easy than that. It's just, oh, it's easy because they want to generate the, the fear of the, of the Trump people, even though that is a rightful thing. And we should be afraid of these people who are literally, you know, wearing T-shirts saying kill Okami for mommy. Um, that that is very scary. But of course, CNN is just 
they don't really have a deeper meaning to it. They just realize that it's easy to capitalize on the Black Lives Matter movement just as Walmart, Amazon, all these other companies posting black squares on Twitter did. It's about marketing. It's about marketing to liberal audiences who are superficial in their wokeness, quote unquote, and they actually don't have any deeper meaning or deeper ideology about the roots of of racial injustice in this country. And there's no context behind any of this. It's very easy to see for people who've been paying attention. I just wanted to say one thing, going back to what Mike said and what you just said, Abby, about this superficial way that not only is the, you know, like CNN and those media networks, NBC capitalizing on fear like they've always done fear of trump fear of real things but amplifying it and disingenuously you know talking about it like they are really concerned about it i think you know what mike is saying is a very real palpable thing that you almost need like real life experience to to really understand on like a gut deep level otherwise if you're getting it messaged to you by anderson cooper you know yeah there's probably people out there who believed it from anderson cooper but unless you're from coming from Mike's perspective or perspective like that, it's, it's doesn't hit you as hard. I think to know that that's real. Now, what's so fascinating is the right thinks that they have this vindication to be counter violent because they believe because CNN, you know, was pro BLM at points or even the black square, all, all that they have to do the right wing media is show the black square on a liberal <laughs> seeming media network juxtaposed with a, a picture or video of a Walmart on fire. They really have gotten themselves into such a frenzy that that's all it took for them to think that their violence is justified. No, and exactly. And that's what Trump was rallying on for so long for people yeah. who were like in this liberal bubble and not realizing how much Antifa, the fear of Antifa was driving so much of this hysteria, which was completely fucking manufactured. Like, let's be honest, that is literally made up whole cloth. There is no fucking threat of Antifa violence. Yes, there is Antifa black bloc people who do disruptions. I don't know how many of those are agent provocateurs. That is the extent of the shit. So I, I think that the riots and like what happened with the Black Lives Matter was so terrifying to people in suburbia and across the country who are just kind of safe in their own, you know, bubbles of whatever their conservative media media bubbles. And they just it actually was like the the first time that they really felt like that Antifa hype that could penetrate their own city. It could erupt in their yes. own backyard. And, and that's what set the reptile brain on fire. And for people who were like like tuning to like Trump's like um like media injection and shit with like his mailing list and stuff, it was like Antifa, 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 and fucking Tifa every day, all day. That's what was happening the last year or two with the campaign. It's fucking crazy. And if you had an app like Nextdoor on at the time and you were already prone to this kind of fear and already triggered by it, dude, there were like lots of fake postings on social media and even places like Nextdoor that to people seem like more credible because it's like they think it's their neighbor or something saying shit. And there would be comments like we're coming to your neighborhood next. Like people would be posting in like really like expensive, you know, super rich neighborhoods gated communities even saying like we're we're gonna bring the heat to your neighborhood next and like it would be like astro like fake people probably like right-wing provocateurs pretending to be you know blm activists but then sprinkling in a little bit more violent rhetoric like we're coming for you and dude people actually moved out of their cities because (laughs) those they saw those next door posts and they got like they took them over the edge i swear it wasn't a tweet it was like a facebook comment 
they acted like they were a BLM account and they were going to bring like violence to all these like gated communities in that town. And the right wing media ran with that. That was like on Daily Caller. No, yeah, they don't stuff. need much. Yeah, they don't need much. You can ha- you can run with fake tweets. You can you can run with the fake next door posting, and like that's it, dude. That's the media cycle for the next twenty four hours. I mean, it, it is really fascinating to see how this shit really works when you're tapped into it. And I know that you absolutely are, Robbie. Let's get into the play by play here of what happened. Before you get into the play by play, yeah, I mean, there's a yeah. lot of play by plays out there from the right and (laughs) others, you know, on YouTube and whatever that are trying to give like, this is what really happened. Like you decide for yourself. Here are the facts. And if you see any of those videos, like uh, they leave out a lot of key important facts. And so this play by play is going to include, I think, things that show that undeniably Rittenhouse was the aggressor, Uh, the situation he fantasized about of wanting to shoot people in the Black Lives Matter uprising. You know, he was able to fulfill his homicidal ideation by getting into a situation that that he wanted to be in to be able to say he's acting in self-defense against people that he had already said he wanted to wanted to shoot. Yeah, all really important context, which, of course, is missing from all of these like hot take play by plays that when you're just looking in a vacuum and, and freeze framing, you know, Rittenhouse on his back with the guy with the skateboard, like, yeah, and under the the law, the law that was basically created to protect white vigilantism since the foundation of this country on like white extremist settler violence that's protected this kind of armed insurgency type behavior for as long as we've been a country. Like, yeah, the law probably isn't just. And like, yeah, under the fucking law, uh, I'm not surprised that this shit happens and we can go off all day about about how that works. But so, of course, unsurprisingly, right, the jury found Rittenhouse not guilty of homicide um, and attempted homicide over his shooting of three men, two of whom were he killed amid the riots in the city on the night of August 25th, 2020. And all of this was framed around Rittenhouse's self-defense while he was being, quote, chased and attacked. Let's just give the little bit of context that Mike mentioned, which is two weeks prior to Rittenhouse showing up in Kenosha. He's on video saying, quote, bro, I wish I had my fucking AK or AR, excuse me, right now. I'd be shooting rounds at them, end quote. The people he's referring to, of course, were unarmed people who were, I guess, quote unquote, looting or or stealing something from a store. I don't really know who the people were that he was looking at, obviously in reference to the rioting that was happening in different cities across the country that he was seeing. And he basically said in an, in a um, in a way that seemed like he wanted to kill people, right? Like, bro, I wish I had my AR so I could mm-hmm. fucking shoot rounds at these people. Very strange thing to say. Which is also uh, illegal. You you can't uh, <laughs> shoot people that you see stealing something from a CVS. <laughs> you can't just shoot people who are like stealing something from a CVS. Just so people understand, because for some reason I hear a lot of police apologia being like, "Oh, the people you shot were at felony records." It's like that actually doesn't matter. Surprisingly, uh, you can't just kill people <laughs> like who you suspect of being criminals. <laughs> you mean you can't? Because well, Abby, this guy was a Rittenhouse killed a pedophile. So you can't go on a heroic vigilante <laughs> mission on getting your sex offender registry database in your local town and just go and kill everybody? Because that would be a heroic exactly. act. Exactly. Sorry, I kind so of stole he, Mike's joke no, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what Mike said earlier today. You stole that shit. So, so. Rittenhouse, as you mentioned, Robbie, he he drives to Kenosha with his mommy, kill a commie for mommy. Um, g- apparently, he was watching the riots unfold 
you know, in at his home with his uh, with his family and his friend's family, and they were just super upset. Robbie, they saw this car dealership being threatened. Of course, they had no connection to this car dealership, but they just really felt passionate about protecting this property of this car dealership, as anyone would, right? I mean, I would go risk my life to protect a car dealership 30 minutes away. So so understandably, he goes, grabs this illegal gun. He was 17 fucking years old, this AK-47 from a safe from his friend's dad. Everyone's spinning that, too, and they're like, well, it was going to be his gun because he was going to be 18, and the gun was going to be transferred to him, and it wasn't him crossing the state lines with the gun because he was already in the other state with the gun. It's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it was so, <laughs> in it was in his dad's safe because he knew it was illegal for him to possess it. You know, so like, yeah, that's <laughs> only libertarians that I've seen talking about this actually like say the correct shit because they know they're like well versed in the law, and but the, because those are the only people who will actually be like, yeah, a lot of those uh, you know black men in jail who are in jail for like. 15 year sentence for just possessing an illegal gun we probably shouldn't that's probably shouldn't be like happening but like all the other right wingers will take the opposite stance when it comes to you know someone of color owning an illegal gun uh, of course and meanwhile another part of the context that we forgot to mention is that he had a tiktok account where he was like saying like he wants to be famous and all this shit little did he know that he would become famous for like literally killing people um so he goes to kenosha i guess he's he's hosted there with this right wing militia you know, we all saw the video, and if you haven't, take my word for it. You can watch it for yourself, um, where the police are actually saying, you know, thank you for being here. Like, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you guys, quote, we really do. A cop says to the group uh, that are all holding guns through a speaker on That's this, like, police. actually after the shooting they said that. Which, oh, after really? House killed those people that the police announced that. Oh, wow. That, that's really bizarre. Um, so, yeah. So basically all of these people that are armed to the teeth are just like wandering around like they're, you know, deputize themselves as their own militia. They go to aid and, and, and abet the police. Right. Just like Tulsi Gabbard said, she was like, well, this wouldn't have happened if the police did their job. Like we need more. Co-. The answer is we need more police policing the area. So then people did like Kyle mean, Rittenhouse did their job, meaning smashing the <laughs> protest with extreme violence. Yeah, right. Like, let's look at actually what fucking happened with Black Lives Matter. Like, I don't think that that the outcome is more police on the streets. Like, it's just the most bizarre argument to be like, that's why this happened, because the police weren't doing their job. So people like Kyle Rittenhouse felt like they had to be the cops. No, there's also this deep state narrative that's folded into that where they act like all the mayor, like the mayors are like holding the police back. They won't let them do their job. That's like a weird right wing narrative that feeds into all this also. Because the mayors are Antifa. Yeah, that like the police are not allowed to stop the protesters. But then like when you watch all these videos of like police trying to run people over and talking, laughing about running people over and beating people up. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like how many videos are police like ramming into crowds and shit and like throwing people in like unmarked cars like Chile style? Like, I mean, it's nuts, dude. Do we know anything about uh, the dealership owner? Has he commented on like he was has he said like, yes, I wanted these people to be there. <laughs> there or I have no idea who they were. They just came and I didn't even know they were there. Like, 
Did that even uh, come into question. the narrative at all? We know there's that the no relation had no to idea that they were going to be there. And who yeah, there's were. no relation to Rittenhouse at all. With the, so with it's just the a random. I mean, that, yeah. he, that they happened to take that, and they were on top of like a structure. They weren't like on guarding like the perimeter of like an open air car dealership. I mean, so I, and as Gumby for Christ, a frequent guest on Media Roots Radio, pointed out, like this all started because police knowingly kettled. Mm-hmm. protesters, meaning they rerouted and were enclosing protesters in a kettled area, yep. driving them towards the armed militia that they knew existed, this right this right wing vigilantes who were armed to the teeth. And they were all like basically forcing this confrontation to happen. Um, so let's talk about the play by play, quote unquote, play by play that we all see just with zero context at all. You know, a lot of these people are like Rittenhouse ended his shift at the lifeguard duty and went and cleaned, <laughs> you know, just Putting clean up fires. graffiti like a good old boy. And da, 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 da. it's like, really? OK, that that's an interesting way to paint who this fucking kid was. We all know who shows up at a Black Lives Matter protest with a gun. <laughs> OK, <laughs> like. <laughs> There is a difference. Maybe it's a fine line to people because I could see why. There's a difference between somebody who's merely guarding something with a gun. That's crazy enough to do in the face of protesters. Yeah. But then to like go in the midst of protesters armed and act mm-hmm. like you're not a threat. The first video clip that's like in the timeline of Rittenhouse seems like, you know, I don't want to sound ableist. I don't even know what word to use, but it doesn't seem like someone who's aware of like that emotionally speaking, if you go into a crowd of people with a gun that they won't like it. And he just seems like he's right. acting like nothing's wrong. And it's just super weird. Just the a beginning video of his right. behavior that sort of seemed to have sparked a little bit of this. But yeah, no. And he seems totally erratic and nuts. Yes, yes, he's yes. Running around. He's like literally darting around like a little squirrel. This little fucking crazy kid with surgical gloves on holding a giant well, gun. <laughs> Oh, he's a medic, dude. I mean, come on. <laughs> Anyone can see that he's a medic. So, um, so yeah, I mean, basically it all started, and this is a clip that no one talks about, which is Rittenhouse is irrationally and, like, like basically is the aggressor, not only his presence there with this giant gun, but he does raise his AR-15 several times. I mean, which is so fucking irresponsible. And it's like, obviously, that's a threat in itself. He pointed it at this this guy named Joshua Zeminski, who was posing no threat to Rittenhouse at all. So this happened before any of the Rosenbaum shit happened. This prompted people, I guess, to start screaming at him that he had a gun and was pointing it at people. Because like you said earlier, Robbie, that is enough of a threat. Like, it's already a super tense situation. There are people there who are armed. You're a little white kid who clearly is with this group that's their quote-unquote protecting property working with the police and you're raising your gun not at people, in self-defense of course not raising his gun at anyone who no, thought like, was a threat to no. him he was raising his gun as a aggressor towards people and it was like the atmosphere and i think the part you guys talk you guys are talking about is like when they're at the gas station and yeah the intensity the energy seems to be really raising really quickly like people are like why are you doing this man like what are you doing and like and that's when he first gets approached by the guy that he ends up killing and that guy, you know, right away, that guy is clearly really heightened, too, because he starts telling he straight up sells Kyle Rittenhouse, shoot me, shoot me. Yeah. So very right off the bat, it's like, OK, anybody who brought a gun there, let's say if you're remotely sane, would be like, OK, this is a very, very volatile situation. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my group calmly 
and lower my weapon. <laughs> and he did the exact opposite, seemingly. He should not have been there. The, the, somehow the other people who came knew what, like, how not, to, maybe not to how to de-escalate, but how not to escalate. And he, it was just like, it's almost like he would just let it go exactly like the direction it would go if just there was no de-escalation whatsoever. And other protesters around him are trying to de-escalate the situation with the other guy too. Yeah, right. Rosenbaum is, let's just explain who Rosenbaum is. He is a mentally ill person who was literally hours prior released from a mental hospital holding a plastic bag full of his belongings that he had been discharged with from the mental hospital. He is he looks like he's actually suicidal. He's trying to start confrontations with several people there. All of the people around him at the gas station are de-escalating the situation. Trying no to, one yeah. else tried to kill him in self-defense. Let's just say that. He was doing the same thing to everyone because he was clearly something was wrong with the guy. You know, later we find out that he was quite a troubled soul and had, you know, a very disturbing like record of molesting young children, which, of course, is the reason that people are actually excusing the fact that he was murdered by this kid. And so it, it's just very disturbing because he's on camera just being like, shoot me, shoot me, kind of almost like suicide by white vigilante, like suicide <laughs> yeah, by cop. No, like, exactly, yeah. And then it just plays directly into this fantasy where he charges him with the bag. Like he charges him with a with a plastic bag. And and let's let's be clear that what prompts Rosenbaum to charge at Rittenhouse is Rittenhouse raising his rifle at Joshua Zeminski. So he was yep. charging. He may have been acting crazy towards people with guns and saying all this stuff. But he charged him when after Kyle raised his weapon as if he was intending to shoot people as an aggressor, not intending to shoot people in self-defense, but a a acting as though he was going to initiate shooting people who posed no threat to him or anyone else's life. Let's go back to the very, so the part where he's, he points a gun at someone vandalizing a car. What did that person ever say anything to the press about what happened or what he saw or, or when Rittenhouse did that, was this, was that that point that Rosenbaum got shot? Like when did that, when did Rosenbaum get shot? I guess is what I'm, what well, like you out. said, all we all the only videos that exist are Rosenbaum antagonizing people at the gas station, uh -huh. and then the video of him chasing after Rittenhouse with the plastic bag and throwing the plastic bag. Yeah, and after he pointed the gun at the guy vandalizing the car, is you when everyone started shouting, being like, yeah. "Gun, gun!" Like he's going to start shooting, shit like that. So that's what created the the intensity is him pointing a gun at a guy who was just vandalizing a car. Like you can't, you know. You can't shoot someone for vandalizing a car. As Rittenhouse is running toward these parked cars, Rosenbaum has the bag and he like, I don't know if he throws the bag or he just has the bag. And I say that just because it's so absurd that that could be used as like, like the self-defense. It's like he literally had a plastic bag full of like belonging from a mental hospital, you know, and he's like running. And that that's that's the rationale that Rittenhouse said that he turned around and shot one shot. The first shot incapacitated Rosenbaum but that three more rounds were fired, one of them to the back. So we're That's talking about literally, we're talking about literally seconds. You're shooting off like multiple rounds within like a couple seconds. He just was like, boom, 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 boom. The guy was already fucking incapacitated and you're shooting three more rounds. At that point, justifiably uh, would believe he was an active shooter. That's why it gets so ridiculous after that point because at any we are in a country of mass shootings 
We are told constantly by the media the heroism of people like in Parkland, the guy who stopped the shooter, right? I mean, like the good guy with a gun fantasy, the scenario, that's like the justifiable like premise of owning guns now. It's like, well, don't you want to be the good guy with the gun? Like Alex Jones is like, I bring my gun to a movie theater in case like a fucking mass shooters in the theater. It's like this bizarre fantasy about being that person that stops an active shooter. And so understandably, whoever, the guy with the skateboard, what was his name? Anthony Huber. Anthony Huber. That guy is a fucking hero. He was trying to disarm who he thought was an active mass shooter. And we'll say what happened first. What happened first was that Rittenhouse ran away. He could have stopped if he did. Like you said, he already chose to not de-escalate when he could have with Rosenbaum clearly off his rocker. He sh- kills him. Where were Rittenhouse's hands at this point? They weren't. They weren't up. They weren't to his side. No, they no, were no, on no, his no, no. They were on, on the trigger, baby. They were on the trigger because he was such a. Yep. He was so fucking frantic and so scared at that point, as well he should, for having fucking killed someone. He runs. Mm-hmm. He runs instead of saying, "Call the police." He could have just he could have just said, "I just killed this guy." Like I put his hands up. It was self defense. It was self defense. Please, I have turned myself in. That's what he could have done at that point. That's what he could have done. He chose to fucking run. Understandably so. People started chasing him. This guy fucking killed that guy. Get this guy, like, basically just encouraging people who had no idea what had just happened other than secondhand accounts that he had just killed somebody and was on the run. That's when you saw the people trying to disarm him. You saw a guy do a jump kick to his head. Then you see Anthony Huber jump in bravely with his skateboard, trying to disarm him. He could have cracked his skull with the skateboard, but does not do that. Instead, he tries to disarm him. And instead of disarming him, Rittenhouse shot him in the chest. He killed him instantly. It looks like he's trying to like slap away the gun barrel. Right. And at that point, I mean, I don't want to go to the next like exact thing that happens in the timeline. Can I just say what happens? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. No, chime and in. The guy, so the guy, Anthony Huber, like you said... Yeah, you could. I guess you could classify it technically under the law that a skateboard could be a deadly weapon, but the video shows him. Yeah, he's smacking the gun. He's trying to smack the gun barrel. Well, he gets shot directly in the chest, and the other guy who had the handgun is trying to grab the barrel. It looks like. Right. Yeah, like so. The the next guy, it's the who gets shot. The third person who gets shot, Gades uh, Grosskreutz. Um, yeah, who was one of the the medics that were were out there. Um, you know, everyone's everyone. This is another one of the snapshots people want to focus on is that he went at him with a gun. And so Rittenhouse shot him in self-defense when he was um, he had initially actually, Abby, you know, this part better when after um, after Anthony Huber is shot and killed, uh, Gage basically puts his hands up. Right. Yeah. So he put his hands up after he saw after he saw another uh, Anthony Huber get killed. That's when he realized, like, oh, shit, like this guy's going to, like, kill me. So he puts his hands up, and what he sees next is Rittenhouse re-rack his weapon, a motion that loads it for gunfire. He testified, this account was barely mentioned, that all that was mentioned was that he said he was trying to actually take him down with his gun because he felt like his life was in danger after he put his hands up. So 
what the right wing media focuses on is, okay, yeah, he put his hands up, but then he reached for his gun, took it out of his holster. And and the gun at that point was a menace. And that's when Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. What is not being mentioned is that Gage testified that he had his hands up and then he saw Rittenhouse re-rack his weapon, which then he thought, I'm going to get fucking killed. And that's when he reached for his gun. And that's when Rittenhouse blew his bicep into a million pieces. And when he shot Gage, Gage was not pointing his gun at Rittenhouse. He had a gun out, but he was his gun was not pointed at Rittenhouse when Rittenhouse shot him. Just a side question, because I, I think, you know, people may wonder about this and I wonder about this. Have they identified the person who fired the warning shot into the air who could be seen on the video as as they're both, you know, giving chase. Has he said why he did that? Uh, do we know who that is? Were they were they a militia person or were they like? Do we no, know it was a, it was someone in the protest. They fired the warning shot because Rittenhouse is pointing his gun at people, and so yeah. it was to like get the fuck out of here. We have guns too. I mean, the weird thing is on this New York Times analysis of it, and I don't know how accurate this is. They claim audio forensics. There's there was at least sixteen shots. That's what total. I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say that there are more shots fired from other places. While all of this is unfolding, there are, you can hear other shots going off. It's not, but I, but it's not. I think it's just like other places or something because a lot of people fucking had guns, and I don't know what they were shooting at. But it was not in. It was not like in this immediate thing. Well, it'd just be interesting to see so. if someone's someone's done like a ballistics. T- if there's any ballistics evidence to prove this, like if it's just the sounds, because if it is like what actually fucking happened, like was was someone trying to like, you know, escalate this like on the militia side too? like, I, I mean, I know that's I don't even want to get go there, but it's like it is it's sort of interesting. I, I just that's a big number of shots. So I'm I'm just curious where, you know, if anyone will ever figure that out. I mean, I think it was probably just the 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 moment it was so heated and they and maybe people were like, shooting into the air like i i have no fucking idea I'm yeah totally speculating but all mm-hmm. but yeah it is interesting that there were more shots but i think that if it had anything to do with the case we would clearly have heard that you know that like rittenhouse would claim that the shots were fired at him or whatever and that yeah. would be part of the self-defense so like i don't think that that's part of this but it is no, right. nuts. Yeah. like how much was randomly shooting in the air and you're ma- thinking that there's some mass shooter be like oh, i'm just gonna shoot in the air and add more like chaos to the situation like that makes me wonder if police shot. I mean, I know this is the only conspiracy I'll, I'm, I'm willing to say here is that, you know, the police were acting quite bizarre that night, kettling people, just standing back, letting all this unfold. What if they fired some shots and they just don't want people to know, you know, and maybe they missed what they were trying to shoot at? I don't know. I mean, I don't trust. And then the fucking brought Anthony Huber. They didn't. An ambulance doesn't pick him up as he's bleeding out from getting shot. They literally drag him into a SWAT fan, which is really really fucking disturbing i don't even understand i didn't even know they were allowed to do that did you i had no idea that happened it's on video and it's it seriously looks like a horror movie imagine getting violently shot in the streets and then as your last memory like thinking yourself oh my god i I hear ambulance sirens thank god someone's coming for me and then like you see the swat police through like throwing your body into a swat fan fucking horrible that's literally what happened to him probably in his last moments and i i can't even fathom that so sad dude it's just so it's so sad to think about the kid with the skateboard honestly and um, and then Rittenhouse, what happens after that is, of course, everyone's just back the fuck up because they're like, this is a fucking mass shooter. Like, we're not going to get in the fucking way. And so Rittenhouse just walks 
right into the SWAT team trucks and they just drive right by him. He walks with his hands up because at that point he's like, I literally have nowhere to go except just to, you know, give myself up at this point. And the cops just drive right, right by him to the point where he actually just goes home. <laughs> he yeah, literally oh, dude, just goes home. Please the scene. That's the craziest part about it. I even faked, like, false memoried myself into thinking, oh, yeah, after he passed them, that's when they arrested him. And then I rem- and I was like, oh, my God, I c- completely forgot. He literally fucking walks past them <laughs> still with his weapon. Like, he doesn't put his weapon on the ground and lay on the ground. He walks past them with his weapon, like, strapped around his neck. And that's it. It's like, what? Like, come on. Like, I can't believe people are letting any, like, media narratives, like, gaslight them. That You could see the fucking video of that. That's what happened. I mean, Yeah, and then his mom drops him off at the police station later. His little (laughs) kill Kami for mommy, mommy. Yeah. He killed Kami's for mommy. Uh, He did did good, son. He did good, son. So then she takes him to the police station, and then he's just... Another hilarious part about these people who play the videos is it's like none of this other context is in it, like him saying he wanted to shoot looters, him allegedly beating up this girl. None of that's in this or like him sitting front lines at the Trump rally, him posting Blue Lives Matter memes. It's just him crying at the police station, his bizarre dry cry. And they're just like, oh, my God, like, see, and and just like people, you know, celebrating the victory of the the um, verdict being like. He collapsed into tears like, look at this poor, poor young man, this misguided young man who collapsed into tears because it was so heavy. What a heavy weight to bear. What a heavy cross to bear. The the death of two people that you fucking caused, that you caused by stepping into this. Are you paraphrasing Glenn Greenwald's tweet? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because he actually said something more extreme than that. Like... (laughs) what (laughs) he like he didn't even say anything about like it being like a cross to bear or how awful it would be to like have this weight on you of killing people but just like look at how genuine in him collapsing look what you the liberal media did to this poor he's a human being (laughs) he's a human being his life has value his life has value and wait just can i just read one more while like let's get the green thing out of the way he says he also said this to a guy named darren j bd uh today i guess Talking about Rittenhouse, I agree he needs to deny that he's an overt racist and white supremacist, but there's definitely space to critique BLM and say you disapprove of its tactics and even core principles, while still affirming you believe in a racially equal society. Parentheses, Tucker's view, for instance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Famously, Tucker's view. Um, Well, I mean, Abby, that was a great like kind of rundown of all the and all these videos I've seen of like what really happened, like conveniently omit all of the key things that you mentioned that show clearly that Rittenhouse was the aggressor. I mean, put himself in the situation after, you know, fantasizing about being in that exact situation, had homicidal ideation and and got the situation that he was uh, essentially looking for. Now, I just want to make a comparison because um, I'm curious if the people defending Rittenhouse uh, would defend me if I was in a similar scenario. Let's say that I was on video saying, I really want to shoot Trump supporters. Uh, And then a week later, I go to the Stop the Steal rally. But I go to the rally with a gun that I have illegally. And I go to the Stop the Steal rally wearing like a Che Guevara shirt or something that that (laughs) lets everyone there know that I am not on their side. And as soon as people start breaking windows 
in the Capitol building. I mean, that's a crime. That's destruction of property. I start pointing my rifle <laughs> at people uh, at the Capitol building. And then inevitably, when some, maybe it's some unhinged wild MAGA supporter that's eventually there, when one of them sees me pointing my rifle at people for breaking windows at the Capitol, runs at me, I kill him and then say, oh my God, I was so scared. I can't believe that this happened. Um, <laughs> and then I, you know, as soon as I get released and then I, I get arrested. And then as soon as I get released from jail, I uh, go to like an Antifa party. I mean, there's no real left-wing equivalent to the Proud Boys, but let's just say that Antifa is what the right-wing says they are. And then right when I get out of jail, I go celebrate with uh, some an at, at some Antifa party and start flashing like some kind of like anti-white hand sign or something like that. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure like if that scenario played out, it would be like an open and shut case. And all the people trying to make this about the rights of self-defense and civil liberties and whatever. I, I, I don't think all those people supporting Rittenhouse would, would be supporting me if that's uh, that's what happened. I don't think they would, but it's funny that you have to almost go to like fantasy territory. That's something that would be the equivalent of like a dog whistling hand, ironic hand sign to signal to like anti-white racist. It's like, there's no such thing, you know, right. but like, would it be funny if there was like, what would it look like? Right. <laughs> well, you, you do have to go to such great lengths to actually make these mental leaps to think, what if this happened? What if that happened? And it's so cartoonishly obvious that if it were any other race, like, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter who he killed. These people were there in solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Like, let's just be honest. It doesn't matter that he killed white people. That doesn't change what happened. It doesn't change who Kyle Rittenhouse is. It doesn't change who a person is that that goes to a Black Lives Matter protest with a gun to stand with the cops and help them and deputizes themselves. You can go off all day asking, you know, entertaining these absurd scenarios that we all know the answers to. Of course it wouldn't hold up if I went to a Proud Boys rally and killed a bunch of people and said it was self-defense if someone like lunged at me. Of course that wouldn't happen. Of course it wouldn't happen if a black person went to a Trump protest and the same thing happened. And all we need to know, and it doesn't even matter what your race is. Let's take race out of the equation. We can go off on a million fucking examples of black people being in prison for life and solitary for life or stealing baked bread or whatever. Illegal the weapons charge. <laughs> or the incitement charges some poor fucking guy who's like in jail for two years for literally just saying maybe we should consider arming ourselves in case there is like a right wing armed insurgency like the, he's in jail. Like we can go off all day on these examples of real life examples of people incarcerated for minor offenses. We all know that. But we could just look at Michael Reinhall. This is an actual case of someone that was a leftist at a Black Lives Matter rally that had a counter protest of a Trump demonstrator who he did end up killing in self-defense because the guy got an altercation with him uh, and he killed him. He fled because he knew that he was fucking dead, dude. And and instead of being arrested and put on trial and lauded into a hero for civil libertarianism or armed self-defense, he was blanketly executed on by Trump's the feds, order. by the feds, hunted down on Trump's orders. All I know is that hours later, Michael Reinhold was dead. The story was that he pulled his gun out at the cops. Of course, that entire narrative fell apart 
They claim that he shot at them, so they had no choice but to extra execute him extrajudicially. Of Where course, what cams. happened later, well, what happened later was all the witnesses said, wait, that never happened. And guess what? They're, all the bullets were in his chamber. He never h- held a gun out. There was no bullets ever fired. He was fucking executed. And that's what happens if you're a leftist. And that's what happens if you do the same thing that Kyle Rittenhouse does, because we've already seen it play out. We already know what happens. So we actually don't need to entertain the fantasy of Mike doing this himself because it's already happened. And And we know that the president of the United fucking states can make these orders and absolutely no repercussions happen to the police, the feds, the president, anything. No, Yeah, it's so it's such a stark contrast. I don't know the full details of the Reinhold thing, but the concept of how it feels the idea of almost like a wild west, like old west style, you get this person's head, like the town sheriff just giving permission for the posse to go burn someone's basically their house down. Like that has only happened a few moments in recent culture. And that was one of them. Clearly, the only other one I could think of that was like similar was the Chris Dorner thing. Uh, where it was like, okay, now we know the cops are like, they're all the rules book is thrown out. They're just going to go wild west on this motherfucker. Like there's been times where, you know, that shift has occurred and that was clearly one of them. And everybody just sort of intuitively understands that on a certain level. But it's like, there's st- we're still in stuck in this like reactionary political fucking mess where everybody has been gaslit, at least on the right, into thinking that it's the left that poses the threat to you, you know, look what they did. They came to Tucker's house and threatened <laughs> his family. Rand Paul's neighbor tackled him. Now his wife sleeps with a gun under her pillow. It's like, what is happening here? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I heard, and you, you should see all these people. I mean, you know, we made a statement. I know that you've been saying some stuff too on social media, Robbie, and the hate and vitriol of people, and the the leaps that they go in logic to basically excuse this away and just say, well, the people were scourges of the earth and they're scum and they were criminals and one of them was a pedophile. It's like you sound a lot like police apologizing for unarmed people that they murder when after the fact you pull up their criminal <laughs> records and you're like, oh, well, they did this and they did that. It's like that is completely fucking irrelevant. None of that means anything. I don't care what these people Rittenhouse had no idea who these people were when he shot them. It is just so weird what people will do. And also, a a lot of people sent me kind of ominous threats for simply just saying that this guy wasn't a Boy Scout and that we felt like the most egregious media lies out there. We're not from the quote-unquote liberal media, but in fact painting Kyle Rittenhouse as some sort of hero and Boy Scout that, that, you know, he was just there trying to clean up his city and, and do the right thing. I mean... That's a really damaging thing to put out there. And it's really disingenuous because we all know it's a lie. And actually, we've had some people say, oh, you're telling me that you've never said that you wanted to kill Trump supporters or, oh, like leftists don't do this. It's like, no, dude, we don't have shirts (laughs) throwing Trump supporters out of fucking helicopters. Like no one I know has that shit. I value human life. I value human life over the sanctity of private property. I'm not a fucking subhuman piece of garbage. There's no video of you saying that you wish you were shooting Trump supporters. <laughs> That's, I thought that was a normal thing. Um, I mean, this honestly, this uh, trial, this case and verdict reminds me so much of the George Zimmerman trial. Um, and of course, it's a very different situation. But 
there are so much similarities in terms of the the stand your ground self defense gates where you have this you have this right wing wannabe cop who has open fantasies about using his weapon on someone who then creates a situation of danger by going entering into a situation where he creates a conflict menacing people with a gun menacing people with a gun and when the people that he menaces with the gun react in self-defense standing their ground against this person menacing them with a gun then the aggressor the person with the gun uh gets to say they are using self-defense against the self-defense of the unarmed person that you know of course cannot kill them um so those things are i I, that's exactly what got george zimmerman off self-defense against the self-defense acts of trayvon martin unarmed zimmerman armed same thing with kyle rittenhouse armed killed unarmed people who yet he gets to act in self-defense against uh, people who were acting in self-defense. Um, and they're both a similar kind of people like, you know, right wing wannabe cops who dream of using their weapon on people. Um, you know, after, since we went through that play by play, I did want to mention like everyone is saying like, well, the jury didn't agree. I mean, the jury sat through the trial. They saw all the evidence, you know, we have to, you know, as Joe Biden said, we have to have faith in our justice system and and I stand by the verdict or whatever stupid shit that he said. This was a rigged trial. It was a kangaroo court. I want to go through some of the things that were omitted from the trial because it was the most compelling evidence. Um, a lot of some of the things that Abby went through. I mean, just to start this judge who's like notoriously like a freak right wing judge who's has a history of some pretty outlandish shit in the circuit court that he's been on for like 50 years or something like that i mean the guy's like 75 seems to be like an obvious maga guy like uh i don't know if it was a coincidence but when his phone went off in the courtroom it just so happened to play the song that trump began every trump rally with and the song that he had sung at his inauguration um that just happened to be his ringtone when it went off in court and so there's some things i'm going to go over that showed that the it wasn't just the multi-million dollar defense that rittenhouse had which was raised by the far right fascist movement. You have this judge who's obviously a right wing guy and is literally trying to help Rittenhouse and create the appearance to the jury that he believes Rittenhouse is a good person, which is, I think, kind of unprecedented. So the first thing he did is the most slam dunk conviction in this case was that Rittenhouse had an illegal gun, was in illegal possession of a gun. Wisconsin law says if you are 17, it is illegal to be in the possession of a firearm. Kyle Rittenhouse was 17, was in possession of a firearm. That was the most slam dunk charge because that was the slam dunk that no matter what the jury ruled on self-defense, the homicide charges, he would get a felony conviction for the gun charge because there's no arguing it. The judge threw out the gun charge. Then the video of Rittenhouse saying two weeks prior, I wish I had my fucking AR so I could be shooting rounds at the people who were unarmed and posed no threat to Rittenhouse or anyone else. The judge would not allow that video to be shown in court. Then the judge said that the video, the pictures of Rittenhouse immediately after getting released from jail, going and partying with the Proud Boys and flashing that what is a white nationalist, white power hand sign, smiling for the cameras, wearing a shirt that said free as fuck, really celebrating what he having a, a party for for what he did, killing those people, which definitely painted his character. Um, the judge would not allow that to be shown, but the judge would allow video of like the police patting Rittenhouse on the head and pictures of him cleaning up graffiti and things like that. He did allow that uh, to be used in court. Um, the judge did this other 
thing where he would not allow the victims to be called victims, but he did allow them to be called looters and arsonists. So the people that Rittenhouse shot, the prosecutor could not call them victims, um, but the defense could call them looters and arsonists. And also this weird stuff like there's this really iconic photo where the judge allows Rittenhouse to come up with him and like review video evidence with him, the judge. And there's this photo of Rittenhouse, like behind the judge, like looking over his shoulder, like they're looking at evidence together. It's like, this guy is a, uh, on trial for murder. He's a suspected murderer, unhandcuffed behind the judge. Like, I don't think that has ever happened in a courtroom, but that is the judge sending the message to the jury. Like, I trust this guy. He wouldn't hurt a fly, whatever. There was this other part where the main expert witness defending Rittenhouse that the defense called some like use of force expert or whatever, right before he gives his testimony, the judge orders the jury to stand up and clap for him because he is a veteran. So basically being like, you're about to hear the witness that is going to exonerate Kyle Rittenhouse. Everyone stand up and cheer for him because he is such a great American that everyone should trust. One of the other key pieces of evidence that the judge would not allow is, you know how we're talking about that Rittenhouse aimed his weapon at people prior to being charged and chased by people is that whole thing with the judge saying, oh, pixels, I don't understand pixels. That was about that. The prosecution wanted to enlarge images from the cell phone video that showed Rittenhouse pointing his weapon at people prior to people chasing him, which would show that he was the aggressor. And which is uh, people who are work in this field say this is the industry standard. You always enlarge images from video so the jury can see because from the cell phone video that's small and not enlarged in any way, you can't actually see what's happening. So it's totally standard practice to enlarge uh, pieces of video and images to show the jury what is happening. And that was a very important piece of evidence. And so the judge in some bizarre excuse saying that, well, you can enlarge an image because then if you enlarge an image, there's like, you can't understand what it is. And if you look at my email, the same thing happens or whatever. And so that was kind of unprecedented as well. Another example of throwing out key evidence that really implicated Rittenhouse's like uh, actions that day. So those are just some things that like the judge used. The judge was on his side. So the defense ha also had the judge with them uh, in this trial. And I think, you know, uh, that I think will be part of the history of this thing. And then the one thing I'll say about the defense that Abby, you just uh, mentioned is that we all know that Rittenhouse had a $2 million defense team. Um, but what does that buy? I mean, I think when people hear like $2 million defense, it's like, oh, yeah, they had expensive lawyers. But what kind of shit does that actually buy? Well, one of the things is that they basically hire these like focus group juries where, you know, like when up before a movie comes out, there's focus groups that watch the movie and then say like, oh, I didn't like the end, this ending, and they change the ending and like you evaluate people. So they actually rehearsed the trial. Rittenhouse had rehearsed that testimony, that tearful testimony before like corporate focus groups. That was part of like what that $2 million pays for. And the other thing that that $2 million paid for is the jury consultant, the person who helped craft the testimony, which which will be, this is what will be compelling to the jury, whatever, was actually the jury expert who worked on the OJ trial for OJ. I mean, it's so odd because on one hand, you're saying they have this, so they, they spend all this money on these, um, these mock rehearsal uh, trials. And I mean, obviously, it was a risk to just put a 17-year-old kid on the stand uh, in his own defense. So that makes a lot of sense that he would have rehearsed this. It's actually the only thing that would make sense because like it would be a huge risk to just do that. 
and then on the other hand, it does seem like they purposely wanted to make the lawyers not seem very expensive. And what I mean is they didn't hire, you know, celebrity lawyers or like the top lawyers in the country. They hired some guys that, you know, didn't really like have household name cred. Like I didn't know who they were. And they seem like kind of like, you know, regular guys. They don't have the appear physical appearance of being these sort of like highfalutin expensive lawyer. And that's almost seems like it was intentional too, to give it sort of this, I don't, I hate to say like blue collar feel, but there was this vibe to it that seemed intentional. Like I thought was a little clever maybe even, because you could have just thrown as much money at that lawyer team as possible and not given a shit what it looked like. But they obviously care what it looked like, I think. I don't know if you guys have a comment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, it's like the jury and the trial is just such a sham and it's just like everyone who's just like did you watch the trial did you watch the trial oh you didn't watch the trial it's like i didn't have to <laughs> it's like the law is wrong <laughs> like just like the stand your ground laws are wrong so let's just say that these laws that are created in states like florida iowa and oklahoma that have passed laws that basically immunize cars for running into crowds of protesters i mean yeah, if a car does that and under the law, the driver will be found acting in self-defense. Does that mean that I I have to agree with that verdict if a jury finds the driver innocent because under that law, like they are deemed righteous? Like, I mean, it's just disgusting. The whole thing is disgusting. But you know what? This is all just some bourgeois distraction from the Gisling Maxwell trial, you guys. We, we bought it. We bought into the neo-lib propaganda matrix and when in reality we should have all been paying attention to the Gisling Maxwell thing. You guys, we fell for it. This means nothing. This does nothing. This means nothing. This sets no precedent. This is not emblematic of anything bigger. Um, so yeah, too bad. It's so weird that I see that it's such a weird cop-out approach. The only argument I've seen that I'm like, actually, yeah, that's kind of true is the one where it's like, the Aubrey trial is not getting nearly enough attention compared mm-hmm. to how much energy this sick is taking up. Like that's like the most true point you could make if you are bothered by the amount of oh, coverage yeah. of this, I would yeah. say, or, or maybe any other trial that, you know, that's not getting any media attention whatsoever. That's pivotal or that's going to change law or, or shift things in a significant way. But I mean, that, that trial um, is, it's pretty disturbing actually how blatant, that one is, and how when you're outside the spin. It's like a lynching. It's like straight up a lynching. I didn't know how much of a straight up lynching it, it fucking was. I did not realize until, I mean, until watching actually that testimony, the prosecutors asking him almost like such a basic checklist that you're shocked that every answer is no. I don't know if you guys saw this clip where he's like, where she's like, did he speak to you when you, when you asked him what he was doing? And he's like, no. And he's like, when you continue to speak to him, did he say anything? And the guy's like, no. He's like, did he say any profanity to you? And he's like, no. Did he threaten you? No. And then she's like, so he literally said nothing to you whatsoever. In fact, <laughs> it seemed like he didn't want to engage with you at all. And the guy's like, yeah, that's correct. And it just keeps going down the checklist. And you're like, what the fuck? It's like even crazier than the Trayvon Martin thing because it's like this guy literally said nothing to them. <laughs> like, It's like, dude, if someone doesn't want to talk to you, just fucking leave it alone. Like, it's if you're so paranoid disturbing. enough, call the police. Leave it alone. Like, if that's what you want to do. But it's fucking crazy to think that that was even remotely justified. The right wing was trying to justify that. 
I mean, honestly, who knows? They probably were empowered by the Zimmerman verdict in terms of what they did. Oh, with you're Aubrey. right. No. And that I think, so. I think that just sets it's this, it's a whole new stage that the stakes keep getting higher. You know, like stand your ground has now been brought into the entire country. Whatever the outcome of the Aubrey case is, it's going to be completely devastating if these guys get off. I can't imagine them getting off because it is so fucking clear cut and they they literally aren't even trying to lie about like lynching this guy mm-hmm. um, but you're right I mean the fact that there's no attention on um, on him and no attention on this case compared to Rittenhouse is a travesty I'm not watching cable news so I'm I don't know the dichotomy or like the discrepancy rather of the coverage but it it's totally a travesty and I would love to cover it um, extensively in the next episode, as well as the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. I mean, I know it's starting soon and fuck knows what's going to happen there. I doubt she's really going to like implicate anyone because she's been pretty tight lipped so far. And I just wanted to comment on one thing that was introduced in the trial that wasn't in the media. And this was something that I believe started this snowball or maybe even gave some right wingers the idea that this is real meme magic material here that we can really use. And that was this uh, helicopter chopper shot that apparently, and I haven't seen this video yet uh, in full. I've seen parts of it where it shows like pretty much the whole thing unfolding. And as soon as that was introduced in the trial, it was almost like this narrative started to flood in. And this was like maybe like a month and a half ago where it's like, Oh my God, once everybody sees this copter footage, they're going to realize they've been lied to by the liberal media about what happened. Now, it just seemed like it was almost like a, a basically a form of gaslighting you into not even like, say, if you did, didn't know anything and you only watched that, maybe you would have thought, oh, it looks like there's some self-defense there because there's no audio. It's a copter shot. But once you actually see it pieced together with like on the ground footage and you ca- you capture all the audio, it it's very, very clear uh, and it's much clearer than what's happening in the copter shot. So for people to be like, oh yeah, the copter shot really changes the game here. Everybody's going to seem foolish when they see this. It's like, no, it does. it's lacking context. You cannot watch a copter shot of an escalating situation between human beings and understand mm-hmm. most of what's happening. So it's like, come on. Right. That's, right. It's just more bullshit that these people want to pump into people's heads. And it's like, it almost seems like this right wing alternative media lockstep thing is almost generating way more propaganda or like hyperbole than I can remember CNN doing about Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, they've done a lot of stupid shit. Russiagate, you know, the amount of time they spent on that was insane. And this time it's actually you guys who are like, who are cranking up this crazy gaslighting media narrative to such an extreme that you can't even find a clip of Joy Ann Reed saying something like super embarrassing this time. You always can usually. Or any of these idiots on CNN, but you it, this time it's like all them, and it, that's what's so fascinating. It's like they've gone to a new le- like stage now or something, and that's what we're going to see over and over again. And it's a really it's a new era that we're entering into, and we have been for a few years now. But I think it's just becoming more extreme in the wake of Trump, um, and it is very sad, and it's scary, frankly, because of how detached people are from the reality that we've just explored you know and like even just going back to like the Rodney King trial like it was kind of similarly dissected in the way that these freeze frame shots were used to basically claim that the cops were acting in self-defense or whatever by he's resisting arrest look at this shot he's resisting arrest and it's like there's no context and then you look at the OJ Simpson trial and it's like it's like once you like zoom out 
and take like a bird's eye view of like all of these things, it all makes perfect sense. The exoneration of O.J. Simpson in light of the Rodney King trial and the corruption of the police and, and even though he was extremely guilty and like the racial tensions, like the L.A. riots, like now, like racism, the, the legacy of racism, uh, Black Lives Matter. How did all this happen? Like like what Bill Burr said. And I think that this is a good clip that we can insert because I some right wing guy tried to basically confront Bill Burr, a, a comedian about this. And what he said, I thought was really on point. Before the first shooting, he can be seen on video running away from a group of people. My question, though, is why is he there? Okay, the cops can go down there and handle this shit. Why is he out there? That is my question. And he's retreating. Someone behind him fires a gun into the air. Imagine running away from a mob of people, hearing a gunshot from behind you, then turning around. Okay, here's my question for you. Imagine putting yourself in the perspective of those other people. Because the problem is, is that people just keep putting themselves into the perspective of the white person if they're white or the black person if they're black. The bottom line is you should not be rioting. And the other bottom line is you should not be going out there acting like you just deputized yourself. This is a 17-year-old kid. What the fuck is he doing out there in the middle of a fucking riot? There's also that question, isn't there? And the second shooting, uh, shooting about a minute later can be seen jogging down the street with a group of people chasing him with someone yelling, get him, get his ass. Yeah, because he just shot two fucking people. There's also that, okay? What you're acting like is this guy was sitting inside doing his homework. He went out there to confront. He went out there with a gun to join it. Okay, now if you don't have any sympathy for people that went out to riot, how do you have sympathy for somebody that went out to confront it who's not a cop? You're ignoring all of this, this type of shit. You're ignoring fucking racism. You're ignoring media hysteria. And what you're doing is you're going to just take this case and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna fucking act like history and th there's nothing up in front of it. And you're just going to press play when these rioters are coming at them and be like, boom, self-defense. You, and you're going to ignore all of that. And, dude, I just can't sign off on that. All right? I just I can't sign off on that. I can sign off on if this kid stayed home and some fucking lunatic rioters start coming up his fucking driveway. Then I, all day long, all day long, that's self-defense. But you, when you fucking go out of your way to go down there and get, in, and get into it with people, you know, and then, oh, and then he, oh, he checks the, the, the victims okay, and he put his fucking hands up. Well, what a fucking Boy Scout. I mean, I, I, I can't sign off on that. I just, I, I can't. All right? I mean, I easily, in this state that I live in, could, could buy a gun for fucking self-defense. And when the riots were going on here, I easily could have gone down to where they were going on, and I could have stood there with a fucking gun and been yet another white guy in front of black people with a fucking gun, not on their side. And I could have gone down there and I could have got into it. And then when they came at me, I guess I could have shot them. I would have been in trouble because I wouldn't have had a license to carry, I guess. But you could have watched that video and been like, you know, yeah, Bill was, was just defending himself. It's like Bill didn't need to be there. I didn't need to fucking be there. I really like what Bill Burr said right there because he's just like, look, like, None of this really matters because why was he there? Why was he there?
And that's what it, that's what I keep coming back to. It's like you can freeze frame all these all you fucking want, dude. And you can try to paint this motherfucker as a Boy Scout all you want. Why was he there? And it's so fascinating because you, you, that's such a, you know, such a crucial and obvious point. It, but it can't be mentioned enough because it's like they're almost trying to turn Kyle Rittenhouse into – do you remember Reginald Denny in their LA no. riots? No. Mike, do you remember? Oh, the truck driver. Yeah, so a truck driver got pulled out of his truck who got held up and like basically was beaten, like basically completely arbitrarily. It seemed like it was just a random, you know, terrible thing that happened during the L.A. riots. Uh, This guy almost got beaten to death. And 30 years later, it's like this right wing fantasy of like, God, you know, what if Reginald Denny had an AR-15? You know, it's almost like they see Kyle Rittenhouse like that. And it's so it's so not at all comparable it's like they want to force that the what Kyle Rittenhouse did into a paradigm like with what happened to Reginald Denny like we're almost supposed to imagine that he got swarmed by like a mob of people that were trying to beat him to death and he had no choice you know but to shoot but it's like all the video everything you see actually contradicts that and that's sort of like on a reptile brain level I think kind of what they want people to believe happened and and in a way they want they Kyle Rittenhouse is them. I mean, in a way, they want that. They want, they wish that they could be that. They see these riots, like we were talking about, the the average Joe who is terrified to fucking death about Black Lives Matter, about the riots that erupted in some of these neighborhoods over the course of the last summer. They see Kyle Rittenhouse as someone that they idolize because they think, wow, what a brave guy. He's going out and protecting his community. And Wow, he did he what did we all want to do, which is he did kill what these, we all want to do. These protest, these communists, which is take them down, and and that's the mentality that we've that that's been cultivated and is being cultivated more and more, and now it is essentially like a like legalized. I mean, it and that's why this case is important. I mean, just look at the meme culture and stuff around Rittenhouse, like the T-shirts. There's like a T-shirt of him being like the tree of life is like drenched with the blood of commies. Like even in response to our tweet from Empire Files about just what kind of person Rittenhouse was and what everything to the verdict. You can't deny that he's a right winger who wanted to shoot people and fantasized about using his gun. Um, You know, memes of the guy with a skateboard being murdered, like when he's shot and things like that. It's like they are there's a huge celebration of what Rittenhouse did even before the verdict, because the far right is dangerous. They are a real force in this country. They're big. Uh, they are organized. They have guns. They have weapons. They come to things with the intent to do violence. Um, they do do violence, terrible violence against people all the time. And then, and this Rittenhouse was like the ultimate. It's like you killed people. You actually killed people and you got away with it. Um, and so I think, you know, it's, it's part of like the precedent that's set here. And I think that people who are happy about the verdict, who consider themselves supporters of BLM or progressive causes or whatever. Uh, if you're happy about the verdict, it's because you you have been duped by media propaganda, just right-wing media propaganda and things that mask themselves as something else. Just remember that like this other alternative media lane that's trying to rile you up in the other direction about Kyle Rittenhouse is really, it's trying to hit that same reptile thing. Mm-hmm. And it's in its a way, it, it's worse because you're sort of righteously thinking you know the truth because the mainstream media is wrong and I know the truth. Well, you're just being fed another narrative that's trying to activate you. And it's also, 
I think right now it's sort of a real wake up call, I think, for a lot of people who think that you can have solidarity simply along anti-war lines politically. I can't ally myself with someone who idolizes someone like Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, and who wants to, quote unquote, put down the mob of Black Lives Matter by, quote, any means necessary. I mean, and, and Harold's cops, you know, and like to be called, oh, I'm I'm aligning with the neoliberal government agenda by basically criticizing this guy. I, I didn't realize that the police so. was not the government. Like somehow cops are somehow <laughs> anti-government and BLM is the government and the deep state because because MSM parrots it. It's like we're getting into real childish territory here and we need to take a step back and apply a little bit of critical thinking. And that means criticizing the entirety of the media spectrum and understanding that history did not start today. Just like Bill Burr said, I'm sorry to keep talking about Bill Burr, but like <laughs> he just said something really obvious and true. He's just like, none of this happened in a vacuum. Why did he go? Bro, I wish I had a I'd start shooting rounds at them. I'd start shooting rounds at them. What was the context of the protest? How did the uprising start? You have to ask all these questions and they all matter. Context matters. History matters. It doesn't start today. It started, it started with the foundation of this country and the legacy of racism and police brutality. And these things matter. And it is about racial injustice. And it doesn't matter that the victims were white. It doesn't matter that media, some media said that. I, I don't even, I haven't yet to see that, actually. I have yet to actually see, like you said, clips of yeah. people saying that they were black. And so, but, it, but at the same time, it's like, that is not the point. People died. People died. And that's what matters. And I value life. And I really value life. And I and I wish that we had a justice system that worked on everyone's behalf. And we have to fight for a better system because I refuse to believe that this is the best that we can do. I refuse to believe that this oppression is is all we can manifest for ourselves after this much of, of what we've evolved into. And And I just hope that we can come out of this bigger and better because for the last fucking 10 years and especially during the Trump era, the the discourse has been so bizarre and so out of control. And it and it does seem to be getting worse and worse. And I don't know where it's going to go, but I fear that as much as it's ad generated and algorithm based, it is going to continue to degenerate. <clears throat> and I don't know how we can try to reverse that trend. I think it's still important to have solidarity. You won't we don't have to clan up with uh you know right libertarians but i think there's value in trying to at least steer them and remind them specifically that like five years ago it was cops that you guys were all really worried about and rightfully so to some level i think that it's unfathomable i think that a lot of them are just now okay with an armed militia guy being bros with a cop and hearing the cops, you know, collaborating with like far right protesters, like that's an unacceptable paradigm. And I think if you're a civil libertarian, you should agree on just a gut level that that's like a huge overstep and that's a terrible precedent. And once we're in that, you don't even, let's say way before this verdict was even uh, known, that alone, that we saw that on video, the way the cops treated him and how they've treated other right wing protesters. I mean, it is a really scary thing that that's like a precedent that I feel like I, I mean, may, yeah, I'm sure it's it's not like brand new. It's probably happened before, but I haven't 
seen it like this before. You know, I've read about it in history books. Let's just say, you know, when it came well, no, it's to definitely, it's Ku Klux Klan era phenomenon. You know, because yeah, like oh, the for police sure. fart, they're so under attack. It's so hard to be a police officer now. And thank God we have these citizens, armed citizens, standing with us against these mobs and stuff. And so, yeah, it's definitely a. You're absolutely right that it's a scary new development, and it is it is fairly a, a fairly. Of course, the cops and the Klan have been hand in hand for a long time, but now it's um we're kind of seeing it more real and, and in a way that it threatens our lives in a very serious way. Yeah, like if you're just anywhere from a MAGA to a, even a QAnoner, it seems like you have some secret wink and a nod support from a large sector of the police. Like that, that's a real thing that exists in reality you know, on a, on just a, a basic level that I think we need to be aware of is escalated for sure. And that's like, that's not something that the main liberal media is making up. Um, we've seen a fucking high up police chief with a QAnon mug on camera on TV. He wants other police people to know shit's on. And I, I think that that you can't like just write that off. So I don't know if you guys have anything else to say to close out. No, I feel like we made we made our own case here. Um, and, you know, if we pissed you off, it's OK to have a difference of opinion. I feel like this is the right thing to say. I mean, it's like it's almost like scary to like voice opinions about this sometime online because it's like you don't want this kind of crazy mob who wants to like kill communists to come after you and like send you death threats and stuff. But it's like I, I feel like it's really important to voice what we did and a lot of people are silent on it. And unfortunately, a lot of people kind of fall prey to this wider net of like right wing, you know, adjacent propaganda that's masquerated for the left. And so that's why it's even more important for people like us to to speak out and to voice our own opinion about things like this. And I'm just happy that we had this space to talk about it. Yeah, it, it was cathartic. I mean, it definitely was cathartic because it's been on my mind and it's been kind of upsetting for a couple of days now. So it was really, it was really nice to be able to talk to you guys about it tonight. Yeah, and I really, uh, I think this was like the first time, Mike, where we actually like had you on as like a third mic, instead of just like <laughs> us bringing you on for a specific subject. So that it was, was fun. Uh, fun. Thanks yeah. for making space for me. You know, if you're listening, I'll say a similar thing to Abby. I mean, this is actually one of the first times where I had uh, to, you know, contend with some angry uh, subscribers. You know, people who actually subscribe to our podcast were upset about the things I said about Rittenhouse on the last episode. And given that, I'll just, you know, speak to them briefly that like I'm sort of coming at this and I, I just want those people to realize that regardless of where you stand politically versus me, I do think you need to take a step back from like these alternative media narratives that you're, you're probably basing a lot of your views on. And I, I mean, I think I've hopefully we've done a good job of trying to not, you know, detach ourselves from these like really agitprop media narratives. And I hope that's not, doesn't come off as like, I'm talking down to you. I, I just want you to, to sort of like brush up on, <laughs> or just like, if you pride yourself in being a critical thinker and not manipulated by mainstream media, I think that that sort of goes, that has to be full spectrum. It can't just be only applied to mainstream media and you can't always use them as a foil just because They've been propagandizing war and, and Russiagate for years and years. They're horrible. The CIA has probably, you know, has controlled a large part of different narratives we've seen over the years. All that stuff's true, but that's not an excuse to just fall 
back on Infowars or OAN or Glenn Greenwald's opinions. I just want our listeners to know that once you become unmoored from this a little more, and I'm not even saying like, listen to us, we have the truth. Don't listen to the other media. Be very critical on what we're saying too. counter us. But I, I'm not saying like counter us with talking points that you heard on Tucker Carlson. Like that's a, the opposite of what, I, what I'm saying. It's just weird to me that it, that people are still being driven by this, but I get it too. Like I, I understand it um, and I, I have compassion for it, uh, but I just think you could do yourself a favor and not let yourself be like so manipulated by it and driven by it. Um, and I think you'll be like healthier for it. And I'm talking to like social media. It's not just me, like me, alt media or mainstream media, social media too. Yeah. I mean, I think that was, that was a good closing note, Robbie. Um, it was great to join you back on media roots radio. I'm excited to do another episode about everything we just did in Scotland and what we're doing for the movie earth's greatest enemy. And thank you. I mean, I hope this was cathartic for our audience, even if it did upset you, I, I want you to ask yourself why, you know, and kind of parse through what we said and, take a step back and look at all this through a broader, wider lens. Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, and yeah, thanks so much for listening to Media Roots Radio and for supporting our show. You can become a patron for as little as $5 a month to get access to my brother's insanely long free Masonic history episodes, as well as his investigative series on numerous things, including 9-11, the Marathrax attacks, and so much else um, that's coming patreon.com slash media roots radio so thanks so much for being a patron and for supporting media roots radio thanks everybody